It's the year 2022 and the church is not okay. This pandemic has been going on for too long. Going into year three of this world-changing pandemic, we are doing our best to help the church into a new future. We are hybrid pastors for a church on the edge. This is the Millennial Pastors Podcast. Welcome to the Millennial Pastors Podcast. My name is Reverend Eric Parker. And I'm Reverend Courtney Reedman Parker. Today's episode is entitled, How Important Is This to You? In this episode, we will explore meaning and value, where and how and why we invest our time and energy, both as leaders and as people of faith more broadly in this thing we call church. Sounds exciting. So exciting. So excited to be here. (laughs) We should probably talk about why we haven't been here for a while. Explain the children. And COVID. This is like volume three of season (laughs) two already. You know, we've been... uh, so So where have we gone so far? We have... I guess we started... Uh... In last fall, we started, we did an episode, and then COVID lockdowns or, or I guess, isolation kept us from podcasting. We had kids yeah, at home a lot. kids were home all the time. Then we had Omicron, and we got off to another start after Omicron, and yeah. then we got COVID. We did. <laughs> ourselves. Yeah. After a trip halfway across the country for family reasons, and uh, came back with COVID, and that sort of derailed us for a couple months, so... Here we are, back in, we're now in August 2022, ready to pick up the remainder of season two. It's good to be back. It is good to be back. We have so much to share with all of you. Not in this episode, also in this episode, but in general. We have lots of ideas for upcoming episodes, so we're excited to be back and to be with you and give you thanks for continuing to listen and tune in when we release new episodes. So how did we get here, Eric, to this particular topic of conversation? So how did we get here? Because the title of this episode might make some folks a little or a lot defensive when you ask somebody, how important is this to you? Right. How important is this to you? And that's a question that maybe isn't so obvious or one that we have really asked a lot of people at church, of church communities, of faith leaders. But on some level, we've come to a point in you know the 21st century, the progress that we made into the 21st century, And then through this pandemic of having to do multiple adjustments and multiple changes of course and readapting to previous adaptations, where I think the question could well be asked of a lot of us, how important is this to you? Which really is a question of why do we keep doing this and why not just give up altogether i don't think that's where we're going (laughs) that's good 
not in my episode notes anyway. <laughs> Just give up already. No, but I think it does put us a little on edge, right? Because to ask this question, either of church leaders, whether that be um, ordained or rostered leaders or lay professional staff or leaders in the congregation who are council members or lay leaders in some other capacity um, or the people of God in general, the immediate response is almost always, well, of course this is important. Why would I be here if it wasn't important? But I sometimes wonder if that's the, the default. It's a, it's a reaction more than a response, right? In the same way as we were preparing for this episode, I was thinking about um, one of the pivotal moments in my discernment to ordination and candidacy when a friend of mine from our ecumenical young adults group was talking to me and I was bemoaning the fact that friends of mine kept telling me to go to seminary and I said no. And he said to me, are you open to God's will? And without even thinking, I said, of course I am. And as soon as the words came out of my mouth, I thought, you are a liar. <laughs> because I hadn't actually considered what God was calling me to at all. I, I was considering what I wanted and I was considering what other people were saying, but I didn't factor in to that equation where God was in and through and amidst those, those people and myself in terms of having that, having that conversation with others and having that conversation with myself and God in terms of where was God at work. And so when we think about this question, how important is this to you? I think for a lot of us, myself included at times, the, the reaction or the default is, of course it's important. Why would I be doing this if it wasn't important? But we actually have found out through the pandemic that we were doing a lot of things that <laughs> turned out to not be that important to us. And when we stopped doing them, when we were forced to stop doing them, there were a lot of things that we haven't picked back up again as we've been able to because we have been perhaps more discerning with how we use our time and our energy and our and our money right so a lot of this is a question of values right a question of how you know of the meaning that we that we put towards being church together and 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 our identity right and so your your question about are you listening to you know, listening to the spirit when you're discerning a call to ministry was ultimately rooted in a question of identity and who you are and who you saw yourself to be. And in, in so many ways, this is this is the big question that's facing us now. After all the turmoil that we've been through as congregations and the changes we've come to adapt to, we're really being stripped back to the question of, you know, what are our values? What's important to us? What does it mean for us to be together? And who are we when we are together? And those questions are challenging. And we don't actually practice answering those questions very often. 
We have not been very good at it. No, we've not been good at it at all, and we haven't practiced it, and we've generally avoided a question. I mean, it's the, it's the, it's those are the questions of religion and politics, the two things that you're not supposed to ever talk about, especially at a family dinner, right? You don't talk about these things because they get to the core of who we are and what we think, and questioning them. Somebody should tell our children this. <laughs> questioning them raises, you know, red flags in our reptilian brain and says, you know, it's time to fight or flight because our the very core of who we are is being perhaps challenged or threatened by exploring this question of uh, what our values, how we understand our meaning and who we are together. Sure. And we assume a lot. And I'm using the royal we here. We assume that people know why they are coming to church. And this is something that I think both of us have pushed up and back against for most of our ministry because we grew up within a church where we could already see and were experiencing that there were people in our midst who didn't go to church and so didn't understand why we would go to church. Whereas for perhaps the people for whom we are called to serve largely and a lot of our colleagues came of age and were trained and were informed and have spent much of their ministry in a time where people were coming to church and the default was that you would be a a person of faith, whatever that looked like. And so there was a built-in assumption that um, that people were going to church and that people knew why they were going to church and that it was important to go to church and it was important for all the same reasons for people. And we are learning. And I think the pandemic has, has really made this more obvious to more people that Coming to church is not important to all people for the same reasons. And for some people, it's not important at all. You might have somebody in the pew who is, and I've heard people say this, you know, Pastor, I really only sort of wake up during the service, during the sermon. The rest of it I could sort of take or leave it. And other people come very specifically for a particular kind of music. And they even choose the Sundays they come based on the style of music that might be, you know, part of worship on a given Sunday. Some other people come because they really love the fellowship and the relationships. And and being sitting through an hour or so of church is the price of admission to hanging around with with a community. And other people get connected because they're passionate about certain certain service elements, certain justice elements, certain education things. And right, so we often think that we're sort of all here and present and part of a community for the same reasons. And the reality is that they have a whole bunch of people who come to be part of a church community for very different reasons and have different um, motivations, different values that they tie in with 
being a part of a church and so much of it is assumed and we rarely think about oh like why is so and so so and so at church and why so and why why am i at church and how are these things different you know and and as uh, our good friend uh michelle assistant to the bishop here in manitoba you know leads in her visioning session this is often where we find conflict is when we are different values that we assume are the same come into conflict around priorities come into conflict around what we think we should be doing because we haven't done that sort of interrogation or that exploration investigation with one another around what are our what is it that brings you here? What is it that you're passionate about? What is it that you think of when you think of church? What is the thing that pulls you here, you know, week after week, month after month, year after year? And and so how do we begin those conversations? How do we have those conversations without turning into conflict, without being getting offensive and and shutting down and not being able to have that conversation? How do we how do we share that with one another in a way that's productive and helpful and allows us to have greater understanding, you know, is the challenge. And, and the, I think for a long time, the church's solution has been to avoid it, avoid, no. <laughs> avoid that discussion, avoid those conversations, just pretend we're all on the same page. And now we are just being thrown back into those, whether we want to or not. Because our circumstances are such that we just have to have these conversations now. And it's really hard, right? It's really hard. So I want to say two things. I want to go back to talking about the people who are coming to church, but are coming for different reasons. And then also included in that, equally as important, are the people who are not coming the people who are not coming to church because not because they are not people of faith, not because growing in their faith is not important, not because they don't yearn for a community of faith or to participate more fully in the body of Christ in some structured <laughs> institutionalized way, but because they are unable to find a community where they can feel connected and part of something bigger than themselves or where they are included and feel included, where their voice is heard and celebrated. So I, that's one piece that I was thinking of as you were talking. So the second thing is I'm curious, why do you think we've not been good about practicing these conversations or being more investigative or interrogating one another? Well, I think there's a lot of reasons. I think there's a lot, there's been a lot of, uh, over the past number of decades, let's say, you know, say when were when were the first boomers born? And you can probably trace it back to then. Sorry, boomers, you're going to get a lot of blame on this podcast. But uh, uh, 
But you trace it back to that era, right? The rapid expansion of Christianity, the socialization of Christianity. And I think congregations, pastors, church leaders were so busy building buildings, starting churches, dealing with rapid growth, that the motivation became managing people rather than managing people as more individuals and keeping them together and became more about you just getting by day to day, just, just, just managing to, to this sort of expansion of Christianity rather than really managing communities and congregations as, as whole entire groups, right. And tending to those dynamics. So I think there was that first one, the, the busyness of rapid expansion and and I think also, you know, with that came the desire to sort of keep everyone together to to grow. And when you're looking to grow, it means you're looking to keep people happy and engaged, right? You're not looking necessarily to challenge folks. And so there was this long period where, you know, the path to growth and and church expansion was was sort of just keeping folks together and engaged and invested sort of regardless of maybe the cost at times. So I think that was certainly part of it. I also know that during that time, there's an emphasis on long pastorates and transition, as we talked in previous episodes, is a time when we sort of uh, maybe interrogate ourselves and interrogate the new people, whether it's a new a new clergy person or new members, but often the new clergy person coming into our midst, we have to, we have to investigate and articulate stated values, stated meaning, stated identities in order to find that sort of match and relationship. And so with, with shorter pastorates and more regular transition, you're investigating that a little practicing that process a little bit more. And with longer pastorates, unless there's a real concerted and intentional effort to do that it can just go sort of left to the wayside because we're we're all just getting along so well as a big happy family and living into our deep relationships with one another which is another aspect of ministry and certainly can be valuable and important but but is you know doesn't necessarily make it easy or lend itself to that regular sort of okay who are you and what are you about and what does this all mean to you? And we don't ask those questions when we think we know somebody. Yeah, I mean, congregations are a lot like families in a lot of ways, right? Because when we are existing in our family system, oftentimes we're not, we're not questioning why we do things the way that we do them, especially if they're quote-unquote working, <laughs> Right? Because we don't have to. It's when somebody enters into the family system, right, who then asks the questions, why, why do we do things this way, right? How did this come to be? And when we have those questions asked of us, whether it's, you know, from a child or from somebody who's, who marries into or is partnered with somebody in in your family system or in our family growing up um we often had people who we called strays so for friends who didn't have extended family or anywhere to go for a a family meal 
would would come would come to our family meal and would would often just become part of the extended family but within that you would hear these stories of these experiences that they would have that were maybe off-putting um and sometimes really funny would become sort of these folklore right about I remember the first time I was at Thanksgiving dinner and this thing happened and I couldn't believe it because I'd never experienced that before. And a lot of us have those experiences in churches, particularly as pastors or technical ministers or leaders in, in congregations where you come in and you're new and you know a lot about what it means to be a pastor or a deacon, but to be a pastor or deacon to a particular community means learning about that particular community and that particular group of people and that particular context and that particular um, meaning right? The meaning making and the core values of a community that makes that particular community its own thing and not St. Swithin's in the swamp down the road. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think about, um, think about my own sort of feelings about, (laughs) about this and about guilt about not having a long-term pastorate per se myself we have colleagues who who've served in you know one pastorate for sometimes 10 15 20 25 30 years in the same pastorate and and when i look at my own resume my own history and work experience you know i have a three-year pastorate a one-year pastorate a six-year pastorate coming up to four years in the current place. So none of them have been particularly long-term. I think they say, you know, you're long-term after five years, 10 years, I'm not sure. But, you know, compared to 30 years in one place, it's um, six years is, is barely saying hello, I guess. And at the same time, I look and I see the tremendous value um, and then I can see a different experience than those who have stayed long. Because we have colleagues who have done a long time. We have classmates from seminary who have stayed in maybe one call for this entire, you know, 10 to 10 to 15 year range. And and the value of, you know, transition is such an important part of I think good ministry. And the experience of doing transition well has been i you know a really important part of my ministry and if i you add up those those four four calls each with a transition in and out you know out of 13 years that's probably you know if you add up one year to go in one year to come out that's about 7 or 8 years of transition of 13 no it's half of ministry being in transition which i think is which is probably closer to normal than the long-term, the long-term pastorate. And those transition times are some of the most energetic and exciting times. They're difficult, they're hard, but it's precisely because the conversations around who we are, what we value, what this all means together are always 
more more central during those times of transition than they than they aren't and uh and so how to have those conversations is really difficult and and now that we're in this pandemic time when we've had this collective transition where we all left church for a time in terms of gathering in person and now we're re-entering in-person gatherings this is transition these are transitions that demand of us to ask questions like who are we what does this all mean what is important to us and what do we value during this time right and so i feel less guilty about having done you know shorter term pastorates than say the the idealized long term pastorate and and actually feel good about having that experience and being able to walk through this time of transition with a little bit more comfort than than i think some of our colleagues are experiencing and some congregations are experiencing sure i and by no means are we slagging on long-term pastorates which certainly have benefits i think we were prepping for this episode and talking about the various ways in which we identify meaning and value within congregational contexts and and talking about how how do we get there how do we get to a place where in community we're able to clearly articulate what holds meaning for us and what our what our values are as a community and why it's so difficult for some communities to do that and others not and the question came up how much do long-term pastor pastorates impact this um coming from a context where we have both followed long-term pastorates but then also short-term pastorates and so how does one impact the other or what is the experience between one and the other and wanting to really look at you know what is the what is the uh, benefit of not being in a long-term pastorate and so one of the one of the questions or the thoughts that i had in our conversation earlier was about thinking back to stories you've shared about your grandfather and his ministry and and not serving longer than than five years in a place and wondering also knowing that in certain denominations that continues to be the practice today that often pastorates are between three to seven years and so it's not only pastors who are then practicing transitioning but congregations are practicing that too on an ongoing basis and are in the in the habit of investigating what is important to us today to be able to say this thing here has been important or was important but now it's not and there's all sorts of reasons for why that may be right that the community has changed contexts have changed perhaps there are other you know organizations around that make it so that a certain ministry or project that a congregation has been passionate about doesn't need to 
send their energy into into that particular um, area of ministry. But without being able to ask the questions or being given permission to say what is important to us now, how do our core values as community shape and inform where we spend our time and our energy means that then everything is important, but then nothing is important. Right. And so that's the, that's the place that I think so many of us find ourselves in, right? Regardless of the length of pastorates, regardless of transition, is that a lot of us find us in a place, and this is maybe sort of overall trends and bigger, you know, changing into the 21st century and now more particularly pandemic and dealing with decline on top of that, is we find ourselves and lots of communities in situations where we have been long assuming that we were all on the same page, we all had the same values, and we are discovering that we don't, and we don't understand what this means together. And who we are as a community is not is not a shared identity, but we're all bringing different identities or understandings of identities to the table. And and when we have limited resources and limited um, things that are disposable, and when we are limited by other factors, prioritization becomes so important. And the only way to prioritize is when we can have that conversation around what is important. But if we come to the table and there's 10 different idea, ideas with 10 different people, how do you move forward when you have 10 different versions of what we need to do next? And so this is this is where the problem really is sort of uh, the rubber is hitting the road, right? Is is that um, we're we're in these situations where we have to navigate, you know, new things and make decisions around new courses, and 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 there's no there's no default that we can just rely on. I think you know in 2019 we were still having conversations about what comes next, but we always had a default that we could operate from and that we could sort of somewhat agree on, even if it wasn't working, it existed. Now there's no default. And so we all have to come to the table and somehow figure out what to do next. And if we all have 10 different ideas about what that should be, it's nearly impossible. And it can be it can be destructive to congregations when we can't get on the same page with each other because we haven't interrogated and investigated what these shared values and, and our shared meaning is and our shared identity is. And so how to have those conversations is really sort of where we're at. But we're oftentimes, well, a lot busier trying to just fix the problems that we see which is really difficult when one person says we need a Band-Aid and the next person says we need surgery and the other person says there isn't a problem, actually, it's this other thing. So so it's, you know, it's, it's very challenging for leaders, it's very challenging for lay leaders, for ordained leaders, for congregations, for folks on the sidelines. It's just challenging for everybody right now. Absolutely. So as I'm listening and knowing that both of us have been intentionally engaging in conversations with our 
congregational leadership um, with support from synod leadership about ministry priorities um, and talking very intentionally and deliberately about where we hold meaning as community and what our values are, what our shared, what our shared values and community are as a way of helping to both practice having the conversation, which surprisingly, um, a lot of people, maybe not surprisingly, because we're just spent the last part of the podcast talking about how we don't practice this, but how few people have, at least in church settings, talked about these things in any, in any depth maybe in a very sort of general way but not in not with any not with any depth and not coming back to it right and so when we come to the table and we start to talk about who are we and why are we here and what is important to us and what are the things that we value to be able to hold up for ourselves and that if we are to be talking with other people in the community about what is important, what are those things? What differentiates ourselves from the community center down the street? What differentiates us from any other organization where we could be spending our time and our energy and our finances? Because there's... <laughs> no shortage of places there is just no shortage of places where we can be doing can be doing that and what i am noticing both in collegial circles where these conversations have been happening throughout the pandemic and also in my particular congregational setting is that with every conversation that we have when we come back to the table we're more able to jump back into the conversation and there becomes an increased vulnerability amongst people to think about both what our values are and then what are not our values anymore or what are some things that we have been doing that maybe are counter to who we say that we are or our our values or things that actually don't provide much meaning um and it makes me think of a saying that i learned from my brother this spring when we were visiting family and he said practice makes better and i've really clung to that for the last few months in thinking about how we form and are informed as people of God in communities of faith that we are not meant to be perfect but God does want for us to be better <laughs> than what we were and that when we do things more than one time when we practice them when we come back to the table when we're willing to have the conversation, when we're willing to investigate or be interrogated, it allows us 
to engage deeper and more fully and perhaps less defensively when we realize it's not a judgment <laughs> it's not a judgment on us or how good or how bad we have been or how faithful or unfaithful it's not about assessing our faithfulness it's truly about assessing are are we living out are we living out god's will in this time and place because it's easy to say of course we are <laughs> without thinking about it it takes a lot more work and intentionality to sit back and to listen to one another and to discern and think and pray about and observe what's happening and then come back and ask the question again and think and look and observe and discern and pray and listen. Awesome. I think, uh, I think we're going to wrap up this episode by talking a little bit about uh, maybe a starting place for some of these conversations around meaning and uh, values and identity. But first, let's hear uh, a word for our sponsors. The Millennial Pastors Podcast is made possible by a grant from the Manitoba Northwestern Ontario Synod of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in Canada. The MNO Synod is one of five synods of the Evangelical Lutheran Church, or ELCIC. The synod covers 54 congregations in Manitoba and Northwestern Ontario, from Brandon, Manitoba in the west to Thunder Bay, Ontario in the east, and from Morris on the U.S. border to Thompson, Manitoba, bordering on Canada's north. With a baptized membership of 17,000, the MNO Synod is headquartered in Winnipeg, and the Synod serves 54 congregations through the ministry of the Bishop's Office, working in the areas of youth, young adult ministry, missions, outdoor ministry, social justice, ecumenical relationships, stewards, and guiding ordained ministers and pastors through the call process. The MNO Synod can be found online at mnosynod.org and on Facebook and Instagram. Check them out if you want to find a congregation in the MNO, if you want to know more about their work. I'm going to do a quick plug for the Synod, and specifically for Deacon Michelle Collins, who we have mentioned a couple of times in this podcast, who is the assistant to the bishop here in the MNO Synod. And Deacon Michelle has particular gifts in working with congregations around leadership and visioning. And so if you are a congregation in the MNO Synod and you have not engaged with Deacon Michelle in this way, I would encourage you to do so. If you're a congregation in the Winnipeg or Manitoba area of any stripe or denomination, I'll just put that out there. We'll see if Deacon Michelle listens to our podcast. Okay, and we're back. So we thought we'd wrap this episode up around this conversation of, uh, of meaning and values and identity with um, a little nugget that one of our seminary professors used to give us to have the conversation and, and how we're going to twist that nugget a little bit, change it up. So we used to have a professor who, you know, who taught us pastoral leadership and he would often give us this question that we could take back to our context. And the question was, if your church burned down and your pastor disappeared overnight, how could you as a community keep being 
church together? And I use that question a number of times with congregations that I've served. And, and usually it was, it was interesting to hear the responses. A lot of people, especially the fixers and the doers in the congregation, were immediately thinking about insurance claims, and building projects, and bank accounts, and all this kind of stuff. And they were just like ready to replace what was gone and just continue on from there as if really nothing had happened. Um, but the thinkers, the reflectors, the folks who could step back for a second and think about the sort of thought experiment that this this question really was, was to say, well, you know, just because we don't have a building or a church, we still have our congregation. And that's really what makes us church in the end, right? And I think this process is not an, it's not an unhelpful one. I think it's a good starting place for certain kinds of conversations around what it means to be church together. But the thing that we both identified, uh, you know, lately is it is a question that really lacks, uh, it lacks some context when it comes to meaning, values, and identity about who we are. And so I asked, you know, what if we sort of flip that around? Um, because we sort of experienced a version of this in reality, in real life, in the pandemic, where church buildings were not disappeared but they were closed and you know access to pastoral ministry was dramatically reduced and and we still found a way to be church in the midst of all of that and at the same time I also know that the stress of this kind of scenario would almost certainly be enough for most people to just say I don't know what to do and would give up and walk away throw your hands in the air and walk away because it's just a daunting sort of scenario and so the the question that I thought might be an interesting one to explore, and so you can take this back to your context if you want to be in this conversation around mission and and our mission or uh, meaning, values, and identity is, what would it mean if tomorrow you woke up and you had forgotten all your particular history as a congregation? And you woke up and you still retained your sense of faith and importance of Christianity you know, Christianity, that Jesus was our Lord and Savior and and the gospel was good news for for you and for those around you. And you woke up and you had at your disposal a church building. And you had at your disposal a a pastor, a clergy person, and you had at your disposal a budget to do ministry with. But you had none of the sort of memories or baggage or or nostalgia or sentimentalism. This is how we've past. always done things here. <laughs> is what could you be as a community of faith? What could you be if you had no memory of your particular past as a community of faith? I think it's kind of an exciting question. I mean, it is, it's ultimately the church planting question. It's like church planting with a lot of resources and a, and a whole congregation already built up. But, but really, you know, I think it could really elicit some interesting conversation about what is important that we do together. All the stuff that we, that we sort of assume is important is just gone and out of the picture. And we could sort of start fresh. What would be the things that we valued? What would be the ways that we understood and gave meaning to our our community together, and what would our identity be? 
right? And included in that, what would be the things that, as a congregation, we would return or resume doing, not because we had memory of doing it, but because it continues to hold meaning and value? What are the things that would never even get brought up in conversation again? And what new things would be born? Yeah, I think there's so much excitement about what that fresh slate might look like. And in some ways, <laughs> pastors kind of get to experience this when we do move, when, when we move congregations. And congregations too, there is this sort of fresh slate thing in that transition, going back to what we said before. But to do it to such an extreme degree where everybody is starting fresh and new and everything that we remember from what we were before, all the good, all the bad, and everything in between was just set aside. And yet we had these resources of a building. We had some form of budget. We had some form of person to serve and lead. What could we be and where would we go? I think, you know, I think it could be a really good starting place for this question about what are our values? What do we mean? What is the meaning that we share together? And what is our identity as church? And with that, that's a wrap for today's episode. We'll leave you to ponder what that might mean for you in your community. So where can people find you, Eric? Uh, they can find me in Winnipeg, Manitoba, podcasting in my basement. <laughs> or online, they can find me at uh, millennialpastor.ca. They can find me at uh, Parker Eric on Twitter. They can find me on the Facebook page, The Millennial Pastor. And as well at uh, Sherwood Park Lutheran Church. And at their Facebook page, Sherwood Park Lutheran Church, Winnipeg. So places. You're just everywhere. And where can they find you? I'm also in Winnipeg. I happily serve the people of Messiah Lutheran Church, located in the community of Westwood in Winnipeg, Manitoba. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram, Messiah Lutheran Church Winnipeg. Also online. Uh, on our website. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at some combination of C. Reedman Parker, Reedman Parker, Courtney Reedman Parker. As long as you spell some of those combinations correctly, you should be able to find me. The Millennial Pastors Podcast is made possible by a grant from the Manitoba Northwestern Ontario Synod, whom you can find at mnosynod.org. The Millennial Pastors Podcast is written and produced by us, the Reverend Courtney Reedman Parker and the Reverend Eric Parker, with our theme song provided by Lutheran Outdoor Ministry in Alberta and the North, all other music provided by audionautics.com. This has been a couple of Zoom pastors for a landline church. We will see you on the other side. Bye for now.